And you're live. Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. We are delighted you're here this morning. Please go ahead and say hello in the chat. You might want to set your chat settings to go to everyone so that folks can see your hello messages. If you're visiting from another ethical society or somewhere else, please give us a shout out. We love to see where all everyone is joining us from. Good morning, Bonnie. <clears throat> Excuse me. The fall pollen is beginning already, it feels like. <laughs> This is also a good time while folks are gathering for you to locate a candle if you'd like to light that during our candle lighting ceremony, I'll grab a beverage of your choice, settle into your most comfy seat, and we will continue to gather. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning, Robin. Great to see folks coming in the room this morning from where, whatever that room may be. We always have good morning, Vincent. Good morning, Jeff. Oh, you're in Ocean City. Awesome. <laughs> I love that. You get up with the important things and go back to rest. Excellent choices. <laughs> good morning, Perry B. Good morning, Shirley. Great to have everybody here. Again, as folks are entering, I encourage you to say hello in the chat. Good morning, Donna. I love that folks are thinking to set their chat settings to everyone so we all can see the welcomes. That's wonderful. And again, get your, get your beverage and your candle and your comfy spot and we will be beginning very shortly. Love to know if people are visiting us and where you might be from. Morning, Trang. Uh, from the screen porch. That's nice to know, Shirley. <laughs> it's a great spot to be. It's a little overcast today. Hope that helps keep things a little bit cooler for us all here in the area. Good morning, Nicio and Nancy. One of our many Nancys. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Ethical Society, Washington Ethical Society. We'll give folks another moment or so. Good morning, Laura, Taylor. <laughs> it's, it's nice that we have so many folks in the community that we need to be a little bit more specific so we know of whom we are speaking. <laughs> Good morning, Sarah. I love that weeding and listening to platform. Very nice, very nice. Hi, Abby, and we'll welcome the rest of the deacons when they arrive. So glad, Sarah, that you were at the picnic yesterday and got to meet some folks. That's really wonderful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, I will make a last recommendation that folks 
find a candle if you are so inclined and also um, your beverage of choice and settle into a comfortable seat. Uh, set your chat settings to everyone if you'd like to share with all as you were saying hello or making comments later in the morning. And I believe if I get the high sign from our tech person, we are ready to begin. So welcome again to the Washington Ethical Society. Our opening words this morning are from Linda Susan Ulrich, begin your journey home. Come now all who are broken and cracked, come to the place where your shattered pieces are the raw materials of mosaic and kintsugi. Here you will find welcome among the armless dolls and cozy piled pillows and sweaters loved exactly as they are. Come now, all who are thirsty and burned. Come to the place where cool waters and aloe soothe your bedraggled soul. Drink your fill and salve your skin. Then fill your canteen and return once more to the struggle, knowing the well will remain unobstructed. Come now, all who long for the stars. Come to the place where that vision of infinity is written upon the people's hearts. Hold it until you've memorized the way. Set your compass to point towards hope and begin your journey home. We begin today's platform with music from Quarter Tones Music School. Hello, Washington Ethical Society. My name is Fedus Foti. I'm the Artistic Director of Quarter Tones Music School, as well as a member of the Foti Fusion Band and a professional opera singer. And I just wanted to tell you a little bit about each one of our clips, our musical clips. So the very first one is called Where's the Love? And it is a collaboration with the group Positive Music for Positive Minds based out of Atlanta, Georgia. And myself and the artistic director, Lori Williams, created this arrangement to promote love and kindness and to teach our students the importance of, of love and kindness. Uh, the second clip is um, La Mama Morta, and it is an aria that I performed with the fantastic group DC Strings. It's from the opera, André Chénier. And the third clip is called Sajalana Arabi, and it's an original composition by Foti Fusion Band, which is my family band. And we created this um, to be proud of your, of your heritage and to be proud of your identity. The final clip is Stand By Me, and it's uh, sung by my sister Nadine Foti, my father Fouad Foti, and our guest artist, Amos Green. And it's a Arabic take on the song Stand, Stand By Me. So I hope you enjoy all of the songs. Thank you so much for including us again. And thank you for all of your wonderful work. Bye-bye.
drama Only attracted to the things that bring trauma Overseas that we try to stop terrorism But we still got terrorists living In the USA, the big CIA The Bloods and the Crips and the KKK But if you only got love for your own race Then you only leave space to discriminate And to discriminate, only generates hate And when you hate, then it's bound to get irate Yeah, madness is what you demonstrate But that's exactly how anger works on armor race Well, good morning again, and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Karen Schofield Leka. My pronouns are per and pers, short for person, and I'm the officiant this morning. Visitors from near and far, we especially welcome you. And we hope that you'll say hello in the chat. And you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org. And there's also a link in the chat right now to connect with uh, Maceo there as well the, via the connection form. And we certainly hope that you will join us after the platform service for a chance to say hello during coffee hour. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. So if you don't wanna see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it. And uh, also just note that closed captioning is also available and you can turn that on or off as you prefer. Each week, a member of our community reads our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. And if you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc forward slash read SOP. So please do check that out. This week, our reader is Bonnie Blarcom, and one of our new, newer members who's joined during the pandemic, Bonnie has a long history with ethical culture, and she serves on the Novus board and the AU policy committee. And so, Bonnie, welcome to Platform, and I encourage you to now read our statement of purpose. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults 
as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you so much, Bonnie. And if you have a candle at home, as Bonnie showed us, if you uh, couldn't light that now as I share our candle lighting words, may we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Well, good morning. Thank you, Karen, and thank you, Bonnie. I'm Lynn Cox. I'm the interim leader here at the Washington Ethical Society. My pronouns are they, them. And I wanna share with you a story from ancient Mesopotamia about Inanna, goddess of love, fertility, and war. Thanks to the influence of Inanna's cult over many years and a wide distance in the ancient world and the complexities of translation, there are different versions of her stories that come down to us today. Some of the retelling I'm gonna share is drawn from the book Circle Round and some is drawn from other sources. I don't know if the story happened exactly this way, but I believe it's true. Inanna was a powerful goddess, the queen of heaven. She reigned in ancient Sumeria, the land that we today call Iraq. She was the morning star and the evening star, the daughter of the rain and the life of the land. One day, as she was walking out on the green field, she heard a call from the land below, the land of the dead. And Inanna was a curious goddess, and she made up her mind to explore that land where her sister, Erish Kegel, ruled. And she called her best friend and helper, Nin Schubert, and said, I'm going to explore the land below. It's dangerous, I know. Watch for me. And if I don't return, send help. And she gave Nin Schubert a list of other gods or goddesses to ask for help. And so Ninchuba promised that she would watch for Inanna. Gathering all of her courage, Inanna set out on the dark road that led to the land below, the land of the dead. And she walked and she walked and she walked, down and down she went. And she came to the gate, to the land of the dead. And the guardian of the gate spoke to her. What do you want? He asked. I want to visit the land of the dead, she said. You can't come in here. But I am very powerful. I am the queen of heaven. I can do whatever I want. I'm not down here, you can't, the guardian said. But if you really want to enter this land, you must remove your crown. And Inanna took off her crown and entered through the gate. And she walked and walked and walked and down and down she went. And she came to a second gate. And the guardian of the gate spoke to her. What do you want? He asked. I want to visit the land of the dead, she said. You can't come in here but I'm very powerful. I'm the queen of heaven. I can do whatever I want. Not down here, you can't, the guardian said, but if you really want to enter this land, you must remove your necklace of precious stones, your lapis lazuli. And Inanna took off her necklace and entered through the gate. And she walked and she walked and she walked down and down she went and she came to another gate and another and another until she passed through seven gates in all. And at each one, she took off some of her jewels or her clothing until she wore nothing at all and passed through the last gate naked. Well, beyond the seventh gate lay the heart of the land of the dead. And the great queen, Arish Kigal, Inanna's sister, sat on her throne and all of the spirits of the dead who died passed before her. Inanna greeted her sister. Why have you come here, my sister? Arish Kigal asked. 
Now you can never return to the land above. But I'm a very powerful goddess, Anana said. I can go where I want and do what I want. Not here you can't, Irish Kegel said. I am more powerful than you. I am death, and everyone must come to me in the end. And now you must stay here. And Anana felt her power leaving her. She felt weaker and weaker, as if her very blood was draining from her veins. And she heard a roaring in her ears, and then she could hear and see nothing at all. Her muscles no longer held her up, and her life force leaked away until she was nothing but an old rag of skin and bones. And the servants of Erish Kegel hung her on the gate, and there she stayed. In the lands above, people noticed that Anana was no longer with them. They cried and they mourned for her and they began to feel afraid. Without her life-giving power, the crops died and new seeds would not grow. Animals stopped having babies and the people went hungry. And Anana's friend Nchuber had watched and waited for her faithfully. And when she did not return, Nchuber became very worried. And she went to Anana's father or grandfather, depending on who you ask, Enki, the god of water. You must send help to your daughter, Ninshuber said. She has gone to explore the land below to visit her sister, Erish Kegel, the queen of the dead. I'm afraid something terrible has happened to her. Why did she do that, Enki said. Doesn't she know that no one returns from that land? She is a very powerful goddess, but her sister is more powerful, Enki said. Still, I will send help to her if I can find creatures who will travel to that land and give to her the food of life and the water of life. And he sent an emissary or emissaries. And here the versions of the story diverge. In one version, Enki sent two beings disguised as flies or maybe two flies to find the land below and to carry the food of life and the water of life. And in another version, Enki created a new being Asushunamir, who was neither male nor female, and who had talents of music and dance. So we're going to go with the second version, but if you heard the first version, also valid. So Asushunamir, having charmed and confused their way past the centuries of the seven gates, Asushunamir entered the great hall where Erish Kegel sat on her throne. And Erish Kegel had a terrible pain in her belly and was moaning. Oh, my stomach hurts so bad, she said. Oh, your poor belly, they cried. I feel so sorry for you. And Erish Kegel looked up in surprise. Not many people felt sympathy for the queen of the dead. Oh, I hurt inside, she cried. Oh, your poor insides, they crooned back. Oh, I hurt outside, she cried. Oh, your poor outside, Asushunamir cried with her. Erish Kegel was not used to anyone caring about her. Most beings were simply afraid of her. And so she looked at this beautiful being with tears of gratitude in her eyes. You're so kind, she said. Nobody else cares about me like you do. Asushunamir began to sing to Erish Kegel, bringing the queen of the dead more comfort. Asushunamir danced and dazzled and charmed Erish Kegel. And she offered Asushunamir gifts, hoping they would stay. I will share with you the water of life and you can have any other gift of mine. Name what you want, anything in my realm is yours. Now, Erish Kegel ruled all things that come from below the earth, precious stones and metals and many hidden treasures. And so she was making quite a generous offer. 
Oh, no, I couldn't take anything of yours, they protested. Oh, please, go ahead. I want you to. Oh, no, really, you are too kind. Choose something, do. Well, if you insist, they said, we'll take that old rag hanging on your gate. That old thing, Arash Kegel asked in surprise. I offer you all of my treasures and that's all you ask for? It's the thought that counts, they said. And they edged over to the rag that was all that was left at Inanna and put a few drops of the water of life on her tongue. Inanna came back to life and without wasting any time, Asu Shunamir and Inanna ran back to the world above as fast as they could go. Inanna stopped only to retrieve her jewels and clothes and crown. Arish Kegel was furious when she found out she'd been tricked. She cursed Asushunamir and she sent the demons of the land below chasing after Inanna. Faster and faster they ran, but Inanna and Asushunamir were a bit faster. Breathless, they reached the surface of the green earth and they could hear Arish Kegel's voice thundering behind them. You have cheated me, Arish Kegel raged, but you can't cheat me forever. Unless you want to die again, you must send a substitute for your life down to me on the land below. Inanna's friend Ninshuber came to greet her and they hugged and kissed and laughed. Ninshuber told Inanna how she had gone to Enki to plead for the goddess's life. And Inanna could see how worried Ninshuber had been. She was thin from not eating and her clothes were in rags. I can't send my faithful friend down below, Inanna said to herself, she saved my life. Inanna was also sympathetic to Asushunamir, who rescued her so soon after being created. So she overrode the curse and placed beings like Asushunamir under her protection and among her temple staff. Inanna wandered through her land and all over she saw how the people had mourned her. Great kings and queens, merchants and pottery makers and goldsmiths and farmers, all were dressed in rags, thin from fasting, their faces streaked with tears. I can't send my faithful subjects down below, Anana murmured. Well, she walked until she came to her own home. And there was her husband, Dumazi. Was he crying for her? Was he wearing rags in mourning? No. He was dressed in his finest clothes, feasting and sitting on Inanna's own throne. And she was furious. Take him, she said to the demons of the underworld, and they rushed toward Dumazi. Some say that Arash Kegel had been in love with Dumazi all along, and her offer to have someone replace Inanna was part of the plan. In any case, Dumazi ran away as fast as he could go. And he found, ran to his friend in the city. Hide me, he pleaded, but his friend was too scared. So Dumazi ran on to the countryside where his mother and sister hid him in the reeds that grew by the river. But the demons of the underworld were not easily fooled. They could smell like bloodhounds and they sniffed Dumazi out and his sister, Geshtanada, ran and held him. Don't take him, she begged, take me instead. She cried so hard that the demons felt sorry for her and they were impressed by her courage and unselfishness. We will allow you to share the life below with him, they said. Half of the year, you will live in the land below and he will stay above on the green earth. And half the year, he will dwell in the land of the dead and you will return to the living. And so they did. For Dubazi is the spirit of the grain, which lives under the ground as a seed half the year and then sprouts and grows in the open air. And Geshtanana is the spirit of the grape, which grows in the open air and then it's pressed into wine and sent down to the cool storehouses under the earth. And so life and growth were restored to the earth again. So ends the story. 
as we enter into the centering time of our platform, let's reflect on the cooperation, letting go, and reclaiming that make the story of Anana's descent so resonant with the experience of being human. Lynn, thanks for that wonderful sharing of the story. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of the people of Afghanistan, those attempting to leave, and those who remain and face an uncertain future, for whom we as a country and as humans owe a debt of care. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. The words which follow are a meditation on letting go by Thomas Rhodes. Let us enter into a time of meditation, contemplation and reflection. Feel the earth beneath your feet as it supports you. Feel the love of this community as it surrounds and unfolds you. Feel your breath as it flows in and out of your body. Listen to your heartbeat. Listen to your heart. Take another breath and hold it. The air you hold in your body is the most precious thing in the world and your very life depends on it. And yet none of us can hold on to it for more than a moment or else we would strangle and die. What is most precious to us must be released. <sighs> so that we may live and live fully. Look into your heart, find what is there and hold it. The love you hold within your heart is the most precious thing in the world. And yet no one can hold onto it any more than your heart can withhold its blood or else we would die from loneliness and misery. What is most precious to us must be shared so that we may love and love fully. Look into your life at those things that are most precious to you. 
look again, you will find that their value lies not in being held, but in being shared. Life, love, laughter, longing, may we share these precious gifts that they may return to us multiplied beyond measure. We continue our meditation in silence and the music that follows. Very powerful. Today we're talking about journeys. This doesn't have to mean literal travel. It can mean the paths that we take as we learn from experience, develop our inner lives, deepen our relationships, and make meaning out of the whole thing. Travel can be a useful metaphor, even travel around town or across the block. 
it's true that some of us have a much more compact range than we may have had before March of 2020. Not all of us, some of us didn't travel much before and some of us are back on the road out of necessity or found a window of relative safety to go be outdoors in a different environment. But for many of us, our journeys are more metaphorical than long distance as of late. So if you need to use your imagination to enter into the travel metaphor, let's do that together. Imagine we're going on a trip, maybe by train, maybe by bicycle, maybe on a ship that's powered by solar and wind. Before we go, we're gonna need some help. We find someone to look after our pets. We leave emergency numbers with someone in case cell phone signal can't reach us where we're going. If we have to work, if we have work or volunteer responsibilities, we ask for help with being able to put those down for a while. So Anana goes through this step before she heads to the world below. She asks Nin Schuber to keep watch for her and goes over the emergency contact list with Nin Schuber. Even though she knows the journey to the underworld is dangerous, Anana thinks she's prepared. She's a very powerful goddess. What could go wrong? And she has all of the things that she can imagine needing, like her crown and her scepter and her necklace. And for us as people who seek meaning and purpose, yet who explore beyond the, tr the traditional frameworks that rest on speculative claims about the universe, we might imagine that the journey is solitary. We contemplate, study, practice, and reach the conclusions that feel authentic to us. There are some things about the journey that we have to do ourselves, but that is not the same thing as doing everything alone. We are interdependent travelers on an interdependent planet. We are not isolated lone rangers. The metaphor of Anana's journey evokes a deeper truth. We need one another. Even the most privileged among us are not all powerful. Not even the queen of heaven could complete a journey without help. Sometimes we need one another so that we can accomplish some great project together that we cannot do alone. Sometimes we need one another to bear the reality of vulnerability, failure, or loss. Sometimes we need one another to call us back to our best selves, to reflect back the true impact of our words and actions, to remind us of the values we share. The journey of the inner life, the place where we explore meaning and purpose, leads us to remember our connections. On our imaginary trip, we might start by packing the things that we think we need. Maybe we pack an outfit for hiking, an outfit for going somewhere fancy, an extra pair of shoes, and a toothbrush. And even before we set out, we might find ourselves in the position of letting go. Oops, looks like I don't have room in the suitcase for both the black dress shoes and the brown dress shoes. Well, oops, looks like I don't, can't pack the bowling ball I was going to give as a gift because my bag will be too heavy. Maybe transporting liquids is an issue and we decide to throw those out and experiment with unfamiliar self-care products. So we begin to anticipate what is essential. At each of the seven gates, Anana has to give something up. Her crown, her necklace, her breastplate, her golden girdle, her ring, her scepter, and her robe. 
These are signs of power and royalty. Now, Anana is used to giving commands and getting her way when she is armed with these symbols. She's used to being in control. Her sister has left instructions that they are to be taken away so that Anana should enter Erish Kegel's domain in a vulnerable state. Anana is not the queen in the land below. So as we reconsider our imaginary journey, this is the part, the part where we have to let things go unexpectedly. This is the part where the stress of travel increases dramatically. Even those of us who carefully plan and make schedules and packing lists have to let go of some power. Sometimes we're not in control. That's really stressful for some of us. We can't control the weather, which means we can't control the timing for shared transportation. The symbols we display to help communicate who we are, the buttons, the t-shirts, the fashion, the local vocabulary, may not be understood in the same way in the place where we're going. We go beyond the places where people know us, where the give and take of daily relationships can smooth over misunderstandings. Without that background, we are judged more harshly on appearances and stereotypes and first impressions which can put some of us in more danger than others. So letting things go so that we can continue on their journey, on our journey is easier said than done. It's not simple to let go. It is necessary sometimes. For Anana, giving up her crown is about more than vanity. It's giving up part of her self-concept. She has to accept that the seven armaments are part of the surface version of her that there is a deeper self that is separate from these symbols of rank and power. Part of what feels true about this story is that she keeps going anyway. Sometimes the need to go on outweighs the need to keep things the same. I have often thought about this part of Anana's story since the pandemic began. As we entered deeper and deeper into this upside down experience, of life in the time of COVID, we have had to give things up one by one. At various points, some of us gave up hugging people we don't live with. Some of us gave up sharing meals with friends indoors. Some of us gave up visiting loved ones in the hospital or in care facilities. Maybe we asked ourselves as we passed through each of those gates, who even are we without these markers of being human? At West, holding on to our shared values, our respect for science and our ethic of community care has meant temporarily letting go of things that are felt very deeply indeed. We had to adjust our seasonal celebrations like Remembrance Sunday and Winterfest. For a time, singing was too dangerous to consider in physical proximity, even in small groups, and we may be entering such a wave again. There is a joke that West, W-E-S, stands for the Washington Eating Society. And there is a shorthand that says that being at West means being in the building. It has been very hard to pass through the gates of temporarily letting these things go. Can we sustain each other on our journeys of meaning and purpose without sharing food? Are we a community of people 
or are we a building? While we had all hoped that the return from this place at the depths of letting go would proceed more quickly than it has, I believe there is still time to reflect on the power of this part of our journey. Who are we? When we have to let go of control and lean into our interdependence. Who are we when caring for each other happens all across the region and the world? less convenient than simply saying hello to the people in front of us in the hall? Who are we when the familiar ways we mark the seasons of the year and the passages of life have to adapt and call us to be creative and collaborative? Who are we when the borders that love and justice must cross are no longer defined by 16th and Kalmia? Who are we as we hang on to that last gate and wait for an opening? These are deep and difficult questions that go to the heart of what it means to be human. We could shortchange those questions by trying to skip to the part where we can pretend that we don't need to think about our impact on each other. We could leave behind a community that brings us face to face with hard questions. I'd rather we didn't do either of those things, right? I'd rather we think about our impact on each other and then we stick together. I think there is value in holding on to each other and honestly facing this experience of uncertainty. I think there is value in asking who we are collectively when the signs and symbols and scenery and rituals we thought defined us turn out to be the icing and not the cake. Who are we when all we have is each other and our shared values? I don't think that there are singular final answers to these questions. I'm glad you're here asking them. Wherever you are, whether you're with us live on Zoom or watching the recording later, I'm glad you're part of this community of discernment. We can continue this discernment in virtual coffee hour, in deepening circles and tie groups, in affinity groups and book groups and discussion groups. The Leader Search Committee is gonna send out a survey soon and we'll meet you in cottage meetings after that. And there are more opportunities for discernment and discussion. Let's stick together and wrestle with what this all means. Though the place in between letting go and reclaiming is a meaningful place to reflect, it is not easy. And we won't be here forever we will have a chance to turn as a community, together with our allies and our institutional partners and our sibling communities among our national affiliates, we will turn toward the journey of reclaiming. We will return to a world that is different because we will be different. The tools and the symbols we let go of may not look the same as we decide what and how to reclaim for the new world. And it should be said that some of the people and things we let go of don't come back. Some losses are permanent. We won't get back the lives lost in Afghanistan. We won't get back the people who could have survived COVID if they had been vaccinated in time. We won't get back the belief that the world is basically a fair and equitable place, that is, if we ever held that belief. We can hope that what we've learned in the vulnerable places and the people who will help us return from here 
can help us bear those losses. We can hope that our experience in the underworld leads us to compassion and to working for love and justice. Anana does eventually leave the world below. She has one or two new companions sent by people who love her on the other side. Something I notice about both versions of the story, the version with the flies and the version with Asu Shunamir, is that she practices gratitude and acceptance for companions that may not be regarded in the world above with universal respect. We are all connected. And in that moment when she, as an immortal, has just experienced mortality, Inanna chooses connection over haughty separation. If we are to return from the stark place of questioning and waiting, we must see that our liberation is bound up together with others. We must make room for new people and new ways of doing things. The version of the story with Asu Shunamir is less common in translation than the version with the flies, but there is some support for regarding Anana as a goddess who is inclusive of transgender and non-binary people. Though of course the words would have been different in ancient Sumeria. Some of what we know about the veneration of Anana in the ancient world comes from the poems of Enheduanna of Ur, who mentions that Anana can change someone's gender. All of which is to say is that Anana shows that being in solidarity, being accomplices and co-conspirators with people who have different perspectives and experiences from our own, is part of how we get away from the forces who want to keep us in the underworld when it's time to leave. In the process of reclaiming her articles of office, I wonder if the experience of having been mortal gives Anana some compassion as she looks around and finds her friends and her people in mourning. If I imagine being in the story, the crown and the breastplate and the robe were displays of power on the way down and reminders of responsibility on the way back up. We can use our tools differently in the process of reclaiming them. I've heard one version of the story in which Inanna doesn't grab the tools on her run back through the gates, but they wash up on the shore of the river and she chooses which to take and which to leave. I don't know how well supported that version is in the ancient text, but I do think it happens that way sometimes. We don't always need the same tools, even if we use them in a new way, when our lives have been transformed. Our imaginary trip must also have a return. Maybe to paraphrase Irma Bombeck, we start to look like our passport photo. A journey can change a person or a community. When we're lucky, it changes us for the better. It brings out our best. That doesn't mean it's easy. We can hope that our journeys strengthen our relationships, that our journeys illuminate the difference between what is on the surface and what values we hold at the center and that our journeys help us turn toward the future to use our knowledge and resources in new ways. We collaborate, we let go, we reclaim. I hope this journey that we're on together brings us wisdom. May it be so. After some music, we'll have community sharing time when you can write into the chat about what resonated with you today. A framing question might help to spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. 
If you like, you can focus your sharing on this question. What have you left behind on your journey? What have you reclaimed? As you search for meaning and purpose, what have you left behind and what have you reclaimed? As we contemplate, rest and reflect, let us experience the beauty of the musical response.
and our RRB running down. My identity, no interference, no intervention. Without the puppets who lay their foot into detention. Power to the people who voice their dissent. Our lives can't be purchased, we are not for rent. Stand up together as a people united. Tidal wave of resistance, revolution ignited. Says shit. Anna Arabi, Anna Arabi, Anna Anna Arabi. Says shit. Anna Arabi, Anna Arabi, Anna Anna Arabi. سجل أنا عربي سجل أنا عربي سجل أنا عربي Thank you, Lynn, for your fabulous retelling and exploration of the story, inviting us to ponder what the meaning of a journey may be, and for that great music we just had. This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. And you may again consider the framing questions. What have you left behind on your journey? What have you reclaimed? I invite you to share your comments in the Zoom chat or Facebook comments if you're listening later. We'll share a few thoughts as they emerge from the collective. Agree with Perry Byer. This is a that was a very talented family. <laughs> they had lots of lots of uh, instruments and singing and dancing going on across multiple generations. It was delightful to see that. Perry adds a prosaic example of the adjustments required by travel. Last weekend, a half hour into our drive to a family wedding in Wilmington, Delaware, I realized I had left my dress clothes at home. An unplanned hour at a men's warehouse store in White Marsh followed. Yep, one of those unexpected turns. <laughs> a little side trip there. Um, I will share, I, our family recently took a two week vacation and went through that process of like, what can we take and what do we not have room for? Um, we did a lot of that, you know, editing down what we would take with us and realizing like, oh, well, we can do laundry along the way, et cetera. So there are lots of uh, reconsiderations as we determine just how much we have space to carry with us and what are those essential things. Sarah Morgan, I love this music. The mashup of traditional rap styles was so joyful. I'll remind folks, if you want everybody to see your comments, to set your chat settings to everyone. Um, Peter Bishop adds, the framing question reminds me of my mother's poem that starts with this. Behold, I have forsaken in my heart the deities of my ancient kin. Hmm. Nancy McGuire says, getting, to, getting ready to move 1,800 miles, the empty walls and empty closet shelves are actually rather freeing. Robin Kravitz says, I just returned home from a gymnastics trip. I'm constantly amazed at how much stuff a gymnast needs. Thankful for two free bags on Southwest, ha. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
been helping a friend prepare to move. She actually just left yesterday and saw that process also of like, what do I keep? What do I take? You know, what's worth shipping and storing, et cetera. Cynthia Goodman, it's, I recently went through the journey of my mother's dying. Mm. Oh, Cynthia, hearts go out to you. That is indeed a difficult journey. And one that I think leaves us forever changed. Laura Steele writes, do we get to choose what we leave behind, what we keep, or are there forces and energies that dictate what gets left? How much control do we actually have? And I'm so struck by the similarity of the Greek story of Persephone and Demeter, indeed. All good questions, Laura. Good things for us to ponder more deeply, right? How much agency do we have? in the, the actions that we take and how much control do we have about how we respond to things that we don't control? And do we, can we recognize that we don't have that control? All deep questions that emerge from this reflection. Well, just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they are able. This month, half of the offering is dedicated to friends and family of incarcerated people. FFOIP seeks to bring services to the children of the incarcerated and at-risk youth. FFOIP promotes social, cultural, and youth development as a way of avoiding intergenerational incarceration. On the slide, you'll see the number to give by text for today's collection, which is 202-335-1885. You can visit tiny.cc westgives. You can also make a gift online through the donate button on our website at ethicalsociety.org. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of music.
Music. I encourage folks to check back to the chat as well. We had some deep wisdom of additional comments also shared about that transition point of young people being uh, launched into their college lives, about having to let go of uh, precious tools about recognizing what is enough, et cetera. There's lots and lots of great wisdom there. But thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. Interim music coordinator, Leah Morris, and our guest musicians, Ferruz Foti, Foti Fusion, Amos Green, and Quarter Tones Music School, as well as the West Chorus that we'll hear from shortly. Membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, slide artists, Abby and John Dakin, and tech host, John Laka, Robin Kravitz for communication support and hosting the virtual coffee hour at the conclusion of Platform. And thank you to those who are leading and supporting our work in the weeks to come. As always, this week has a variety of opportunities for West members and friends to connect virtually around shared interests and in support meetings and discussion groups. And please check out our calendar online for all those details and members and friends alike are welcome to participate. We hope you'll join us again next Sunday, September 5th, when interim leader Lynn Cox will lead a platform called Many Stones Can Form an Arch about the history and legacy of the labor movement. And a few things to look forward to in the weeks ahead. LLDC, the Lay Leadership Development Committee, self-nominations. Please see the email from the LDC about the upcoming election for their newest member. 
If you think you might be interested in running for the LLDC, please email LLDC at ethicalsociety.org by September 26. Thinking about Afghan refugee support, today at coffee hour, there will be a breakout group for people interested in volunteering with refugee resettlement. And if you can't make it today, please see the email from this past Wednesday with the link to a volunteer interest form or email maceot at ethicalsociety.org to get the link directly. And families with youth ages 11 to 17, the BSA Troop 1123, it's affiliated with WES, is holding an event for prospective scouts on the Saturday following Labor Day, which is the 11th of September. Troop 1123 is an inclusive LGBTQ affirming group troop for scouts of all genders. And for more information, you can contact Sonia Coopers at scoutmaster1123 at gmail.com. And you can find the details for these and all other events on our website calendar at ethicalsociety.org. And thank you for being here with us. Now let's enjoy together our closing song of the month, Get Together, presented by the West Chorus. Love is but a song we sing Fears away we die Dream, or make the angels cry. Though the bird is on the wing, and you may not know why. Come on, people, now smile on your brother. Everybody get together, try to love one another.
I've heard that song many, many times, but I really appreciated the trembling hand lyric in particular today, and yet we can still act even with trembling hands. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, finding and nurturing collaboration in the quest for a better world. Please join us for virtual coffee hour by pointing your browser to tiny.cc slash West Coffee Hour. You can also find the link, you can see the link on the slide or we'll put it in the chat in the moment. And once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into breakout groups, which you're welcome to drift in and out of as you choose to greet different people. And you'll be able to indicate if you'd like to join specifically the group for the Afghan refugee support. If you are new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. That's maceot at ethicalsociety.org, and we will put his email and uh, the link into the chat as well. There we go. Here it comes. I want to encourage everybody to have a fabulous week. Think about your journey into the days and weeks ahead what parts of it you do for yourself, what parts are supported by others and how you can support others on their journeys as well. Head on over to coffee hour and we will look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. Be well, everyone. Take care, stay safe, wear your mask. <laughs>